Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through View 521. Today we're gonna to take a look at Dead of Winter, The Long Night. Now this is a standalone expansion to the original Dead of Winter. So you can, if you want to, just buy this one and you could play it all by itself. Or if you've got the original Dead of Winter, then you can take and mix this with the original one, just play this by itself. And this is kind of more modular. So you have a couple of different you know, rules and modules and components that you can add and subtract uh, from your gameplay experience to kind of tailor it to your needs. Uh, so it plays pretty much just like, you know, the basic Dead of Winter, uh, of course, with the different modules. So let's jump into a couple of the changes and things, and I'll tell you my thoughts on it. Okay, here you can see everything that you get in the box, and it's a ton of stuff. Uh, you even get a whole mess of new dice. You get another exposure die, so you can definitely, definitely play this uh, on its own. You get a whole stack of Crossroads cards. I mean, it's a huge stack here. Now, there is an envelope here. Uh, we'll talk more about this in the review. There are some sort of explicit uh, Crossroads cards. You can tell here by this little symbol down here at the bottom. Uh, so you can choose to shuffle those in or not. Maybe if you're playing with small kids or even not so small kids. Uh, we did hit one of these and it was especially brutal. Uh, I will talk about that more in uh, the review part. But you can also see some other things based on different modules that you add. So you've got here this little moon symbol. That means it's part of this expansion box. And then if you are playing with the bandit module, then you will include this. Now it does give you instructions for how to shuffle the decks together if you want to mix everything up. And you know, it talks about you know possibly diluting your experience if you just you know threw everything in together. So so you can walk through those step by step. Uh, you do get a new stack of these main objective cards. There are a couple, I think there's two scenarios here in the back of the book that will kind of walk you through some of the new modules, which I'll show you. Uh, so there are some cards in here that will go along with that. And you can see we have here a stack of crisis cards and a bunch of new uh, general crises that we're going to be dealing with uh, from round to round. The one thing to note about this is you can see here, these have the bandit icons on them. Uh, so this is telling you which locations to put the bandit on. Uh, this The game comes with uh, reissues of the main locations, but they're much uh, thicker cardstock now. Uh, so what this actually means, when this card comes up for the round, you're gonna look at the number here, and then look at the number here on the location like that. And then you're gonna take one of these nifty bandit standees there, and then put them on that location. They're gonna go in the same spot as the survivors go. So they're gonna go up here on the top there, and the zombies, of course, are gonna come in down here. Uh, so these guys will actually attract uh, zombies the same as the survivors do, so the more survivors and bandits that you have, the more zombies that are gonna approach here. Uh, now, when the zombies overrun, basically fill this up and then overrun, they're only gonna kill uh, the survivors first, and then after they've killed all the survivors, <laughs> the bandits will run away and live to fight again another day. Now, the other thing that the bandits do is while they are on a location, then you're going to, for each bandit on that location, take a card off the top of the deck, so let's say there were three bandits on the location, you will take these and you'll put these face up here at the bandit hideout. This is another location here. So we'll go ahead and just put those there. So you can always look through these. And so it's a double-edged sword. They may, you know, steal something that you need to be like, oh, we really need some fuel for our crisis or something, or we really need some food, you know, to feed everybody. So they took that card that I would have searched for next round or something, but now you know where it is. And you can see here, you can go to the bandit hideout and try to get it. Now, when you go to the bandit hideout, it's a little bit harder than you normally uh, would have done 
to get the item in the original location. So you can still perform a search or an attack action. And in this case, an attack is kind of like a super souped up search where you can get more cards out of the deck, but you also run a greater risk. So you can see when you do a search and you do your normal search action based on the die, then you roll. If you roll a one, you place a wound and that's it. <laughs> if you roll a six, a five or six, you take one card of your choice from the stockpile and this, let's say you rolled a four, you place a wound on the survivor and then you still take a, a, a card from the stockpile. If you do an attack and you roll a one, you place three wounds on the attacking survivor, so they're basically dead. And if you have a five and six, and you take two cards of your choice. So it's a little bit more risk reward here. And you also know, uh, you know, which cards you're actually getting. You can just go pick them and get them. And especially like at the end of the game, if you're like, oh, I need this, you know, one last food or, or tool to complete my special individual objective, then you might see a lot of people going there. And again, zombies will show up there and so on. The next board here is the graveyard. This has no function necessarily. It's kind of a placeholder. Uh, you can put your stack of character cards here. And then as characters die in the game, you'll just stack them here in the graveyard. And there will be maybe special, some special effects that interact with you know what's going on here at the graveyard. And you can just discard the other cards up there. So nothing really to interact with. It just is a way to keep track of everything in case some events come up. And then the next location here is the Raxon. And I should say, I don't know if I was super clear on this, but the bandit is obviously, that's a module. So you can add or remove bandits and not have those. And if you're not playing with bandits, you could still use these cards. You just would ignore that symbol. And that's kind of the modus operandi is if you're playing without a module, depending on how you shuffle the cards up, then you may come across cards that reference the module. You just ignore that. So Raxon is very different. So let's take a look at sort of the best part of it, in my opinion, is you can have these crazy zombies come out of here. So you don't just have like your normal zombies. You've got these uh, different super extra mutated zombies like this guy here with a tail. You've even got this gal here who's sort of about to turn. You can see she's not quite a zombie, but she's just kind of an infected one there. And then where, okay, let's show a couple. These are, these are really cool. So you've got this guy here. <laughs> so he is sort of a klepto zombie. He likes to steal stuff. And let's see, where is the really, really mean one? Where is she? She's somewhere. Okay, here's a Freddy Krueger looking one. This is kind of cool. Does a little bit extra to you. Um, and then we also have her. She's like really, really hard to kill and uh, very elusive. So the way that these come out is you're going to have here this stack of cards on top of the Raxon pile. So the Raxon has its own search deck, which I'll show you, and then another deck of cards here. And you're gonna have them shuffled up like this. And so what is going to happen is you need to have somebody be at the Raxon location and then they can put a die matching whatever's on here. So you might need two fives or two and a one. And you can have multiple players do this. You know, multiple people's like, okay, I'll go over there. I'll take care of, you know, the f this five. And okay, you roll the five. So you can come over there on your turn with one of your survivors and put a five. Now, if you lock that in, then you sort of seal this vault of zombies that could possibly come out. Now you can vote to let them out. Uh, the reason that you would do that is because before you let the zombie out, and you can see which zombie is going to come out here, it says place one tank at a random location. And when it tells you a random location, you just roll a d6. And it's always the original locations, one through six. But you can vote to have them 
uh, still come out, but you get to pick a location and then remove three zombies from it. So you might say, okay, you know what? We can let the klepto guy come out somewhere. It's not a big deal. Uh, we really need to remove three zombies from the school because we want to get there. We need to dig for you know whatever items are there. Uh, so you might do that. Now, if you don't have the proper sort of combination here, uh, then the zombie's gonna come out anyway and you don't get to remove the three zombies. So they come out and then you'll flip this card over and this will show you the encounter. So after you fight that zombie, and the only way that you can kill these special zombies is through a normal attack uh, action. You can't get like a special effect from something that you know, says, hey, just remove three zombies from the location and then take one of the special ones out. You've gotta do something that is involving a normal attack. So, but when you do that, if your character didn't die, you know, by rolling the exposure die and dying, then you actually will roll a die, and this shows you sort of the encounter table for that particular special zombie, and some of them are more annoying than others. Uh, so you have these. So these are always going to be a constant threat above and beyond everything else that's going on in the game. Now, the sort of flip side to adding that craziness is you get access to some more craziness but this is usually more for the benefit of the survivor so you get all kinds of crazy weapons a flamethrower a pulse cannon a portable barrier and you also get these different pills a yellow pill a black pill green pill c4 all kinds of stuff and so the pills are probably the most interesting thing so you can take the pill card let's say you get a pill out of here and you take the red pill and then all of these are going to allow you to uh, play it as an event. So anything, again, as you play as an event, you don't put it in your waste pile. And you will then roll. And depending on the roll, usually it's, I think it's 50-50 on everything, uh, then you're going to take the matching pill effect. So you can always look at these and see what it is. So let's say I took the yellow pill. I've got the negative effect. I've got the positive effect. Depending on the card that you, you know, you based on the instructions, it's going to say, okay, now you have the negative effect or now you have the positive effect. And so if you have the negative effect, you can say, place two despair tokens on the survivor. You may not remove despair tokens from the survivor. So I'll explain despair tokens in a minute. Here's the positive effect. Once per round, if this survivor is at a location with an item deck, you may reveal the top five cards of the deck, select one, add one to your hand, and then shuffle the remaining back of the deck. So these are going to give you sort of a little bit of a push your luck aspect. We can say, oh, we can really have this cool effect and it's gonna help me heal a bunch of wounds or something. Or I <laughs> have this negative effect um, and then it's just really gonna destroy my survivor. The interesting thing is, is when you can kind of get into like mixing a cocktail of these. So maybe you have the black pill and you're like, oh, well, I've got the black pill will kind of offset the negative effect of the yellow pill and that kind of stuff. So that's a cool little aspect of the game. Now I did mention the despair wounds and so these are just like the normal wounds in a sense so here you have the normal wound and then a frostbite wound these despair wounds cannot be removed typically i know the yellow card said you can't do it ever but normally you can't remove them anyway unless you get an effect that specifically targets a despair token so that's a new a new effect there uh, a couple other things is now we have these exploding barriers. So you can see on this side, you will put a barrier out. And the way that that works is if you remember, let's say you have a barrier here and you fill up and you put a zombie on this spot. And then you put a zombie on this spot as they get attracted to a location. And then if you were to put a zombie on the third spot, you would just instead remove the barrier. And then next time a zombie would actually appear. However, if it was an exploding barrier, 
the zombie would go out here. It would also get removed, remove the barrier, but the barrier will then explode, taking out the rest of the zombies. So that is pretty fun. Now the last module are these improvement cards. And you'll take and shuffle up this deck of cards. You'll deal out four of these. And you can see these are gonna be really cool things that the, uh, the players, the survivors can add to their colony. And so you can see here, this says need three advancement tokens. And this one says need one advancement token. So you get a DVD player, pretty awesome. Uh, and you get an outhouse. So, so these are things that are really gonna help you through the game. And the way that you do that is you get special effects and things, uh, abilities and different stuff like that. And some of the characters will have uh, some of the types of abilities that will interact with all this stuff. And then you have these advancement tokens. And so when you get these, you just put them on the cards that were dealt face up. And then as soon as you have enough to complete one, you can take and just kind of put the card here in the colony. And there are also uh, these little special tokens here uh, that you can also add as well, just as a reminder. So you can build those during the game and that will be very helpful. And so for example, if you wanted to not deal with the bandits and the racks on, you can just have the improvement tokens and add those to the game and that'll be pretty useful. Uh, the last thing to note, and this is huge, you could play with this rule now, and this is regarding the start player. You don't actually even need this game for it and I would definitely recommend players do use it. It's typically uh, a turn will go around clockwise around the table starting with the start player who has this Bowie knife. However, the Bowie knife actually rotates counterclockwise. So in the base game, and still a little bit in this game, it's possible for whoever the trader is to get two turns in a row. Because let's say I'm not a trader, <laughs> and it moves around, and then Billy is to my right, because Billy's always a trader. And so Billy, on the, on the last turn of this round, nobody can respond to it. He just dumps all kinds of craziness onto the board and lowers our morale a whole bunch. Then this knife moves to the right and he gets another turn. So he gets two turns in a row to really hose up uh, the camp. Now, the rule is, as at the point when you would pass this to your right, all the players, if they choose, anybody can call it out, is it to have a vote for this not to move. So it'll stay with me. So if I was a trader, then I could maybe, you know, also try to manipulate that. But it, it does give players a chance to prevent uh, that double backstab kind of thing. So Billy may get his turn at the end of the round to really hose us up, but he's not going to get two of them in a row because if he was super obvious like that, we would be like, nope, that's staying with Joel. Uh, so I think it's a very keen addition to the game and probably the one kind of minor flaw, I guess, with the original game. Okay, so that is, I think, all of the different rules and stuff in the game. And I haven't talked about these, but there's a whole mess of new secret cards. I mean, all kinds of stuff and new betrayers uh, cards and everything like that. So there's a lot really just to add into and make use of, you know, by combining the games as well. Okay, so that is Dead of Winter, The Long Night, and... I am shocked to hear these words come out of my mouth, but I'm gonna say them anyway. Uh, I think this might be my favorite game of the year. Uh, I don't normally, when I make lists at the end of the year, I don't usually include expansions or anything, but I feel like I'm, there's a loophole because it's a standalone game. <laughs> but there has been some interesting stuff that's really happened with this game that really has pushed it way at the top of my list. And so the, the other thing to note is when I made my list of the top 20 games I've anticipated at Gen Con, 
I left this off the list because I went through the main BGG geek list on BoardGameGeek of all the games coming out and it wasn't there. So I was going through there and just like, you know, ticking stuff off and then consolidated down to 20 from there and I didn't have this game. And then it showed up and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot this is coming out. I'm like, well, it's an expansion. But yeah, so after having played it, there's been some just really outstanding, wacky, crazy, awkward, uncomfortable moments with the game. Uh, so I mentioned at the start of the walkthrough, there was a particular um, uh, Crossroads cards that was like, it was brutal thematically. And I don't want to speak about it because I don't want to spoil it and I also don't want to upset anybody. But it was interesting because the choice that was made really put us at a disadvantage. But on the one hand, the morality of the situation involved, and it was one of those like explicit ones too. It wasn't like a, uh, you know, one of the more easy ones or even keel ones. Uh, the choice that was made was to take the, uh, you know, kind of the, what I would consider the moral high grounds kind of thing. I would take that was the, I think that was the correct right thing uh, to do. And that's the thing that emotionally I would have done and the person that actually was responsible for making the choice I mean, you could see, I was like, yeah, I know it's a game, but I can't let this happen to this person. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't care that it's a game. Uh, this is not going to happen on my watch kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's crazy. Now I'm uncomfortable for about 15 minutes. And then it just kind of sinks in a little bit. And I'm like, cool, okay, a game did that to me. Uh, games rarely do anything of the sort. And so I thought that was very outstanding. Now, it wasn't just a one-off thing either, just because that maybe is something that, you know, would hit close to home for me or other people. But uh, there was another one. I don't want to spoil it. It was it's a Crossroads card as well, again. And it was something that it said... And this one I really would spoil because you, you might be aware of it going in and I don't want, to, want you to be aware of it. But it said something that could be said during the game. And it was just a certain kind of thing that you would say it. And it said... Even if you say it casually joking around, bam, the crossroads cart triggers. And it was like hilarious because we were all like, oh, well, I was just joking. I was like, yeah, but that's how it starts. <laughs> you know, that's how it starts joking around and messing around. Uh, my wife has a saying that she tells our kids, she says, from too much laughing comes too much crying. So I was like, yep, that's the case because you're horsing around, goofing off, and now you've really upset the apple cart. And I was like, that's perfect. That's this bringing the table social dynamics down into the thematic dynamics that are happening, you know, on the surface of that board there. And so that's kind of bridging those two worlds, you know, and I was like, yes, this is great. I love this stuff. <laughs> and so that's really what knocks it out of the park. Okay, so let's take a quick break from sort of gushing about those Crossroads cards and start to talk about the interactions of all the other stuff. Uh, the bandits are very neat, and I kind of talked about it in the walkthrough where, okay, yeah, they may be taking stuff and depleting the different locations, but now you can get risky. You can go in there. You can take that risk to go and get a specific item. You're like, I really need this for my goal, or we really need a lot of food because we're going to get hammered on the starvation front. Oh, that's what I forgot. There are also some new helpless survivors, and you can kind of see the back side there. That's the normal side. And these are just like un unruly survivors is what they call them. And these actually consume, uh, you know, two people's worth of food. You count them as two people uh, when you're considering uh, the food uh, and zombies there. So um, 
those are really cool. So anyway, so back to what I didn't forget was the interaction there with that push your luck aspect of the the bandits. And that's a really cool, interesting mechanic where you're kind of going in there. And it, it kind of adds a little thematic. So there's another group out there. You know, if you ever watch The Walking Dead, there's always like multiple groups. There's like Rick's group and the main group. And then, you know, the governor's group and... Uh, I forget the other name of the town that they were in, but uh, so the, you know the Negan's group and all that stuff. So you have the other group out there. That's neat. The Raxon thing adds a little bit of that extra supernatural science fiction kind of stuff. You get the plasma gun and all that. That one is I like that one because it just it adds some craziness to it. I mean that could be something that kind of really tips the scales against you and it could also tip the scales for you and like i said you can get that kind of cocktail that mix of the different pills that you can take so you're like yeah i'll take the green pill you know and i'll i'll eat that you know and i'll eat the black pill and then i'll be this super you know crazy you know uh, experimental human being that's walking around and maybe the raxon was part of the zombie apocalypse and that's what caused it you know there may be some cards in there that interact with some of that stuff um so yeah it's got all that kind of cool goodies in there um I, I would say if you don't have the base game i would say if you didn't like the base game you probably wouldn't like this anyway because it's got, still got the whole betrayer thing and all that which i love but uh if you don't have the base game and you wanted to get this I would say you could probably start with this. I don't know. Because you can play without the bandits and the racks on and even the improvements. That's really cool, you know, because you, you kind of have that visual development of you building out your your uh, your colony and stuff. That's kind of fun to watch. Um, so you, you, can, you have access to all these extra tools. And, I, you know, I would say go right to this one, really, because it has all this extra stuff. And I think you can see that they've really had time to really sit and visit with the design and and really play around with you know everything that's going on and what the crossroads mean and how they interact with everything um but yeah i i mean it's fantastic it's fantastic that they have done this uh with this game and i really have enjoyed uh this game quite a bit um and another thing I, the last thing i want to mention was it the co-op game seems a little bit um more i guess how necessarily have to play with the trader and all that stuff because you have like these extra elements beyond just kind of the standard zombie crisis card thing so you know i talked a little bit about in my review of the base game with that with the co-op and it, it's like not enough going on with the basic game and i don't think it was really meant to but if you wanted to get this sort of as a co-op remove the secret hidden stuff and i would say it would be a pretty fun you know decent co-op at this point because you've got you know the racks on stuff you've got the, the bandits you've got a little bit more interesting crossroads cards you've got the improvements there's all kinds of stuff going on now um, that you can really you know tailor the game and just play straight co-op and there's there's enough going on that i think it's you still have a lot of interesting decisions playing that way as well uh so that is dead of winter long night and well now that i've played it i would probably it would definitely be in my top five of Gen Con anticipate it's kind of weird because it's kind of my favorite game but there's still some games I haven't played at Gen Con yet but yeah so it might be number one I don't know honestly I mean it's just it's unbelievable some of the certain things that go on here and just again the the space that the game goes the, the, the game like gets in your space you know so that's that's cool I like that I like that the game can do that it's it, it, it still like uses a lot of like the tropes and, and, and design parameters that you expect sorry to get all like 
Poindexter, but you know, it has those familiar things that you can get into, but then it's like, oh, it just kind of marches in and it's like, haha, now you're dealing with these moral consequences. Who, what kind of person are you? <laughs> Like, wait, I just want to have fun and play a game and escape. <laughs> you know? uh, so yeah, so there's that. Uh, definitely take a look at this game. Awesome, amazing stuff. And sorry to keep going, but I just don't want to harp too much on that whole part of it. But the production quality and the art and everything is really cool. And everything that they put together. So overall, if you can kind of, if, if all that kind of stuff scares you a little bit uh, and you just were like, well, I just want to play a fun co-op or a trader game or something, I think you're going to be pleased with, you know, everything that was invested in here in terms of creating this world and the art and all that stuff and how everything interlocks. So anyway, kind of from the two ends, because I know I'm kind of dealing with it emotionally on the one side, which isn't very useful in a review necessarily. Uh, but I think objectively as well, the game is tightly put together, produced, designed, all that good stuff. So anyway, the end. Thank you.